Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are your hosts, Spen. Nick. And boy, oh boy, I'm glad to talk about basketball today because that Super Bowl on Sunday was terrible, Nick. Yeah, I lost a lot of money on it, Uh, but good for Tom Brady. I think this was the first time I ever watched Tom Brady win a Super Bowl and didn't want to kill myself. Yeah, uh, good for Tom Brady. He definitely needed this win. His life isn't uh so hot right now with his supermodel billionaire wife and his beautiful children and he kisses and the fact that he lives in tampa bay florida in Derek jeter's mansion that he's renting uh yeah he definitely needed to win his seventh ring um wild game obviously this is a basketball podcast but but we got to talk super bowl uh mahomes was running for his life the entire game the fact that he wasn't sacked more is amazing I mean, it, it seems like he was just running from ev- like every single Buccaneers defender on the field. He had to elude at least six or seven of them on every play just to throw an incomplete pass. Yeah, I'm blaming that on the left guard. Was it Remmers or Remmer, the backup? He was absolutely horrendous. Well, Fisher, Eric Fisher, uh, I think tore his Achilles. He had a Nick Shanman, Kevin Durant injury. Not related Bills. to Derek Fisher. Not related to Derek Fisher, so Remmers had to switch his position. Uh, he wasn't he wasn't a backup. He just switched from wherever he was to Fisher's spot. Um, you know but, what's most sad about Brady getting a seventh title? He officially passes Michael Jordan. Yeah, no, and that that lends to this whole debate: Is Tom Brady the greatest winner of all time? Like the greatest champion, the greatest leader? Uh, he's definitely up there. The only issue I have is football is is so much more of a team sport than basketball. I mean, special teams, defense, offense, they're all different at facets of the game. Whereas in basketball, you know, it's only five guys on the court. So I I, I don't know. It's Yeah, but it's you a, could also argue that the quarterback has the ball in his hands and more pressures on him to perform than a basketball player who oh, oh. could easily pass it off and not get it for a couple possessions. How much of that Super Bowl win would you give Brady credit for? specifically him throughout the playoffs. I mean, he was a- by, he, there's nobody else you could have given the MVP trophy to except maybe Gronk in the, if we're just talking about the Super Bowl game in, as a whole. Vita Vea, uh, Devin White both had monster games. Winfield's had a great game too, but all I'm well, saying well, that, That's is, what I'm saying is, 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 you know, Brady could have threw for six touchdowns. If the defense lets up seven, it doesn't matter. Did the, the Bucks-, Bucks make the playoffs last year? No, they didn't. Listen, I'm not taking away from – I don't know why we're debating about this. I'm not taking away from Brady's excellence. Obviously, he was the difference maker. He was the reason that the Bucs won 11 games, succeeded in the playoffs, went to the Super Bowl. He is a huge reason for that. But I don't give Brady credit for Tampa Bay defense shutting down Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers for most of the game – and Patrick Mahomes. I give the Bucks defense and Todd Bowles credit for that, rightfully so. Um, but but it's just like, and again, Brady's the greatest of all time. Don't get me wrong. No debate. He is the best quarterback to ever play the position. I'm just saying it's so much harder to judge winning as a football player in comparison to basketball. It's, it's just a totally different monster. I made a deal, so I have to live up to my end of the deal. Josh Belinsky, 
Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback in NFL history. Weird. Not sure why you wouldn't consult me before you make a deal with someone to say something on this podcast. I could say whatever I want on this podcast. You don't own my mouth. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Any more uh, little tidbits about the Super Bowl outside of the fact that I covered it? No, not a great game. Uh, I made some really good wings handmade. So they were, those were probably the highlight of the game for us. But no, let's get on to the better and more exciting sport. Why people tune in, you know? Uh, before we do, I just want to let the audience know that on behalf of myself and my other podcast, The Last Resort, I was able to ask a ton of players uh, before the Super Bowl questions, uh, players like Antoine Winfield Jr. of the Chiefs, um, Nicole He's Hardman. not on the Chiefs. I'm oh, sorry. You're right. The Chiefs, it was Miko Hardman, Alex Okafor, um, Tano Kapuzganen, Damian Wilson, uh, and one other guy. I asked a ton of those guys questions. And then on the other side, I spoke with Vita Vea, Antoine Winfield Jr. from the Bucks, Ronald Jones, uh, Jamel Dean, and William Golston, I believe. I was able to ask them questions because I had credentials for Super Bowl media Zooms throughout the week. Um, the one problem is I totally forgot about the post-game interviews and missed out on asking the winners and the losers questions. Hey, that's all right. You know, usually I hate when you plug other podcasts on this podcast, but uh, you did a great job with a lot of those interview questions. They were pretty funny questions that the players themselves truly enjoyed. So you did a great job, bud. Thank you. I know it took a lot for you to say that because inside you really hate my guts, but I appreciate you saying that on the pod. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to some Nets news, Nick. Uh, I wanted to switch it up this week. Uh, We haven't done finish that sentence in a while. So I'm going to read a sentence that alludes to Nets news and you guys are, you and me are going to finish it. Okay. Okay. You know, it'd be cool for the title of the segment. If you were like, this one's called finish that. And then I say sentence. Do you want me to say that now? No, no, no. Just going forward. All right. Finish that sentence there you go i like the sound of that i'll use that moving forward so sick the brooklyn nets signing noah vonley is cool uh i mean i i'm not a noah vonley hater i think he had a couple solid years on the blazers uh he's young he's he's tall he's athletic Obviously, he was cut from the last two teams he played on. I, I, I don't think he was truly given a chance to prove himself. I think he was on rosters that truly didn't need him, um, looking at the Nuggets, looking at the Bulls. So we need him. We need a big body. We need a young, hungry player who's got something to prove. Uh, he's more of a name to me than Vel Pell was when we picked him up. So I'm more excited about Vonley than I was about Pell. Yeah, Vonley was one of those guys, very intriguing out of college, um he's from salem massachusetts actually went to college in indiana but i've actually heard he's from haver haverville or haver haverill haverill is how they say it in massachusetts so this website might be wrong went to haverill went to indiana for college uh he he was a huge prospect coming up he's been a bit of a disappointment but you said he's young he's only 25 years old um career averages five points uh, a game 5.2 rebounds in 335 total games um, field goal percentage at 46%, which isn't great to see from a guy who spends his time in the post. Um, not a great offensive game, but we need someone who can help defend the paint. We need someone who can help grab boards and eat up some time from DeAndre Jordan. Um, we'll see. I, I, I actually saw on Twitter, and I want to shout out Talking Nets, our guys Keith McPherson and Hudson Flynn made this point. 
Um, what Sean Marks is doing here with Noah Vonley and Norvell Pell is he's signing these guys knowing that they might not be the answers come playoffs, but right now they fill a role. And when Nick Claxton is healthy, if Reggie Perry develops, if they decide to go trade for Javal McGee, or they're able to sign an Andre Drummond in, you know, a dream scenario, they'll be able to cut ties with Norvell Pell or, or send uh, Nerlens uh, Noel, Noah Vonley to the Ooh, G League. I would like, I would be cool. It, he would be Noel. cool. But, but I'm saying Marks will have the flexibility to cut ties with these guys if he needs to. But right no, now you need front court depth. And Noah Vonley is someone he's been in the league for five years. He's bounced around. He actually, uh, I talked to some Knicks fans. He was on the Knicks uh, in 2018, 2019, that season. And he didn't play terrible for them. So don't hate the signing. Agree with you. I've seen more of him than I've seen of Norvell Pell. So I would say that the net signing Noah Vonley is necessary. That is the word I would use. No, I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, right, you always have low expectations, but high hopes. So I think the expectation with these um, players that were kind of scooping up out of desperation is if they can do a job, if they can do the minimal work to help us out a bit, great. If they end up be going above and beyond that and being a player that we actually want to keep and, and utilize, that's just a huge added benefit. That would be, that would be fantastic for our team. All right. Next sentence. That's kind of like when a girl, when you take a girl home, it's like low expectations, high hopes, you know? I'd like to know about some of the girls that you've been taking home recently then. I said girls you've taken home. Oh, you're talking about, fuck you. All right, let's move on. Next sentence. The way the NBA handled the COVID-19 Kevin Durant protocol on Friday against the Raptors was embarrassing for, for all parties involved. I understand safety first. I'll always preach safety first, but what, what was this? It gets to a certain point where you've, where you've gone too far and you have to just accept the decision, keep him on the court, and let him play. Yes, I'm biased. I'm a Nets fan. But to me, it was like the damage was done. The risk was taken. Now, you know, what is it? You, you made your bed, now lie in it. Is that the expression? When you shit your bed, you have to soak in it? No, see, the first, the first one might have been close to a real expression. You just totally made the second one up. Um, and when you just said the damage is done, I thought of uh, that old Justin Timberlake song, the damage is done. So I guess I'll be leaving. I don't know that song. It's, um, me River! featuring nope. Timbaland. Great song. Um, the way the NBA handled the COVID-19 Kevin Durant protocol on Friday against the Raptors was wrong. I, I mean, if you're going to pull Kevin Durant, after playing a quarter of basketball and say, sorry, uh, because of something that happened, you now have to quarantine for six days. The entire game should have been postponed. The net should be quarantining for however long. It doesn't make any sense. He had already sweat all over all the other guys on the court. And it's just like you NBA, get your shit together, man. You know, this is uh, Raptors versus nets. I think it was on, um, TNT, it might have been on something. Maybe it was on yes. But my point is, this is a huge game for both teams. And to kind of give, I guess, the Nets players hope that Durant would play. I mean, he came in. The Nets came back from 18 down in that second quarter. And then the craziest part of this, Nick, was Kevin Durant had four fouls. And he picked up his fifth foul. Steve Nash challenged the call. And they reversed it. 
But as they reversed the fifth call or the fifth foul and, and, and told KD he still only has four, they also told him that he would have to go to the locker room and he couldn't play anymore <laughs> because he was in quarantine. You only have four fouls, but now get the fuck off the court. Yeah, I, I almost rather he fouled out in that scenario. Um, it was it's a classic wrong. situation where if like you shit in your bed, you got to soak it in. Yeah, no, never heard that expression. All right, number three, Kyrie Irving missing time because of a finger sprain is not surprising like are you surprised it was like okay sure fine like sure all right Kyrie, go like count the stars and and question your existence so he only missed the game uh against philly on saturday i think he'll be good for the tuesday game against detroit later today um Kyrie irvin missing time because of a finger sprain is expected uh, mainly because once I think he found out Kevin Durant wasn't playing on Saturday, he definitely was like, yeah, let me get, let me get a day too. Um, you can play with a finger sprain. I, I've played with finger sprains as a goalie in soccer. I actually broke my finger, played a few more for more plays and then realized it was broken. Um, it is what it is. It's, it's one game. Uh, would his presence have helped against the Sixers? Absolutely. Was it cool for him to kind of leave James Harden out there all by himself with Joe Harris, DeAndre Jordan, and the rest of the, the Nets was a little uncool, but it is what it is. I mean, I guess in this day and age, it takes three or four days for a finger sprain to heal. Good for Kyrie. Um, also, staying on the subject, did you see that Kyrie was beefing with the internet comedian Max is Nice? No. So apparently I'm not sure if you're familiar with Max is nice. He does these videos where he impersonates uh, NBA players movements and stuff. He has one yeah, with KD yeah, yeah. and Kyrie. Yeah, so really Max is nice made fun of Kyrie's pregame sage burning and Kyrie responded calling the internet comedian ignorant for disrespecting his ancestors culture to which Max is nice responded by challenging Kyrie to a boxing <laughs> match. Do you have any thoughts on this one, Nick? That's really funny. I actually gain respects for Max is nice and, and shut up Kyrie. Like don't take it personally. Max is nice makes, you know, he's trying to find his niche too. You got to take risks as a comedian. I get it. I've been there. You got to kind of raise the stakes to get more attention to yourself. We're all just trying to pursue our art and do the best we can. So go easy on Max is nice. His name is literally Max is nice. So he has to be a nice dude based on his name. I'm going to disagree with you. I, I feel for Kyrie. I mean, the guy gets shit from all angles of the media. He really needs some dude on the internet making fun of his pregame ritual, which is significant to him. Um, and, and if your max is nice, like grow up a little bit. Don't challenge Kyrie to a boxing match. You like, like all his, all his fans were like, yeah, Kyrie, ah, go box. Max is nice. Ah. But it's like, when you have influence, when you have people who follow you, I think it's your responsibility to, be responsible in, in how you present yourself and, and, and how you present certain things for Max is nice to go out there and say, Hey, Kyrie, you want to box me? And then thousands of people are like, Oh, Kyrie box Max is nice. It doesn't do anybody good. And it's just like a Jake content. Paul move. Yeah. It's just a little, it's just a little immature. So uh, I, I like Max is nice as content, but at the end of the day, if, if something you do offend somebody, just, just fucking don't do it. That's, that's my motto, man. Like everyone wants to complain about how sensitive people are. No, I think at, in this day and age, people are just willing to come out and say, Hey, this bothers me instead of just holding it in and saying, well, if I say something that I'm going to get called out, that's, that's my overall take on society. Thank All right. You. Norvell Pell made his next. No, you got to call him Vel Pell. 
Bell Pell made his next no, day. Bell, why do you call him Bell Pell? Bell. Vel Pell made his next debut against his former team, the 76ers, on Saturday. Pell finished with five fouls, five rebounds, three blocks, two points, and a few ugly missed shots around the rim. After watching Norvell Pell get some time, his performance was underwhelming. I'm from Transylvania. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I saw one of those layups. It was all nerves, dude. It was completely mental. You don't brick a layup when you're 6'11", like when you're wide open off the backboard by eight feet. Like it was just like, oh, buddy. Like just at that point, dunk it. Um, so it was underwhelming. I, I, yeah, that's, that's all. His performance was yeesh. I mean, the Nets needed front court help. Marks goes out and signs this really unknown commodity. I mean, anybody who thinks that they knew Norvell Pell's game before coming into Saturday is a liar and a thief. And the only thing they lied about was being a thief, I guess, is uh, the, the line from Ocean's Eleven by Danny Ocean. Yeah, great line. Uh, great my line. question is, why did you get Vell Pell before you got Somebody asked that oh, on the what? internet. Uh, I, I saw that on Nets Twitter. I, I just called Twitter the internet. Um, I don't think it's like I don't think he planned to do that. I think it was one of those things. He was he was looking for availability. He, he got in touch with uh, Pell's agent. They made the deal, and then I guess something else happened with with Von Ley a few days later, and he was able to sign him too. But I don't think I don't think it was a matter of Pell's our priority, and then we're gonna go get Von Ley. I think it was a matter of this guy's available. Oh shit. Hey, this guy is also available. It's not like we're, you know, you're right. There could have been a lot of other depth. factors, but yeah. it seems, if it was if it was as black and white, it seems a little silly. But yes, I understand. With Harden, KD, Kyrie, everybody missing time this year, Jeff Green, Joe Harris, and Bruce Brown have been blank for the Nets. Incredible, incredible. Jeff Green's playing like he's ten years younger. Joe Harris is the best shooter in the league, and Bruce Brown is all of a sudden filling in for the Karis LeVert role with, with more intensity on defense. He's hitting his shots and he, and he's moving the ball. Well, he's not turning it over. So I would say all of the, those three players without them, I don't know who Harden Durant and Kyrie would go to, or if they would have the trust in this team that they do. Jeff Green, Joe Harris, and Bruce Brown have been reliable slash consistent for the Brooklyn Nets. You can insert Either of those words in there, they essentially mean the same thing um, in this in this context. But they're three players that Harden, KD, and Kyrie have depended upon for the, through the first half of this season. I mean, the Nets are what? They're 14 and 11, correct? Yes. They don't get a lot of those wins without performances from Jeff Green, Joe Harris, and Bruce Brown. Obviously, you know what you're going to get from KD. You know what you're getting from those two other guys. But their availability, I mean, Harden joined the team two weeks ago. KD has missed a lot of time because of this COVID bullshit. And Kyrie's missed time for whatever reason he's missed time. But every time Bruce Brown goes in there, he gives the Nets some much-needed energy on defense. Jeff Green is good for a poster and a few three-pointers each game. And Joe Harris, Nick, every game, I think that he's he's not going to be effective and he comes up with at least 15 to 16 points. And he's actually not a terrible defender. Now, in crunch time, I don't like him on defense. But for the first three quarters, 
he is serviceable. So those three guys have been so reliable, so consistent. Um, they're the reasons that the Nets are 14 and 11, just as much as KD and Kyrie are. Yeah, I can get behind that. All right. Nick Claxton worked with coaches today and will be with the stay ready group. It will be a good three weeks before he plays an NBA game minimum. That's what Steve Nash said earlier yesterday. With the return of Claxton, we're looking at a front court of DeAndre Jordan, Norvell Pell, Noah Vonley, and Jeff Green, and Nick Claxton. This potential front court makes you feel uneasy, a little nervous. Uh, I, I love Jeff Green. I love what he's done so far for the team like we just spoke about. I like DeAndre Jordan. I think the the uh, exit of Jared Allen, although worse for the team, is better for DeAndre Jordan, and it was better for his performance on the team. So, you know, if Jared Allen's an 8 out of 10, DeAndre was probably a 2, and now he's a 5 without Allen. That's I just think he, he fills a much better role for himself. With that said, yeah, it makes me a little nervous. I'm looking at kind of a mosh of some random veterans with some young, undiscovered talent. No, neither party besides Jeff Green at this point, is someone you really feel confident with hitting uh, an open shot, whether under the hoop or beyond the hoop. So uneasy, you know, I'm hoping either Pell, Vonley, or Claxton ends up being somewhat of a reliable player. If we can get one out of those three guys to be comparable to say a, I don't know, a Miles Plumlee, uh, th then I could live with that. Or a, um, who is the guy on the Heat that Helio uh, Linick? oh Myers uh, Leonard Myers Leonard that's what you're thinking of like a similar player right like a like a hustler a decent defender a good rebounder you don't expect him to do much on offense but he'll 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 scoop one under the hoop if he needs to this potential front court makes me feel unsatisfied um if Marx's big answer to the to the front court question is Noah Vonley Norvell Pell and the return of Nick Claxton I don't love the Nets chances in the playoffs the trade deadline is at the end of March. I am hoping that Marks is able to make a move or two and acquire someone who has had slightly more success than the, the first three guys I mentioned, Claxton, Vonley, and Pell in this league. Um, DeAndre Jordan is doing what he's expected, but he's not going to do that for more than 20 minutes a game. So you have 20 extra minutes that you need to fill. I'm not sure if Va Vonley, Pell, Claxton – uh, combination is the answer to that. Yes, Jeff Green is also part of that front court, but Jeff Green is a stretch four to the max. He's not in the paint banging with dudes. If you have Jeff Green at the five in any lineup, you're probably going to lose that center matchup because he can't really go up against fives and you're not going to get any boards. So it's it, right now I'm unsatisfied. I still want to see Marks make some moves. Like I said, it's, it's a low risk, uh, high reward thing with Pell and Von Ley. If they stink, if they're not good, you cut ties, you move on to the next guy. Um, but right now I'm unsatisfied with this front court. All right, Nick. And my final finish that sentence. It's a bonus. Derek Rose going back to coach Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks is boring. And I don't want to discuss it any further. All right. I would say it's expected. Um, Thibodeau loves certain players, man. Like, if you look at his tenure in Chicago and Minnesota, a lot of the players changed, but he still coached Jimmy Butler on both teams. He coached Derek Rose on both teams and he coached Taj Gibson on both teams. Now you have Taj Gibson and Derek Rose 
back with the Knicks under their their former coach, Tom Thibodeau. He's got to have his guys, man. He has an attachment to Derrick Rose. This is expected. I mean, especially because the Knicks are very young, not a lot of veterans on this team. You bring in a guy like Rose, he can kind of coach up RJ Barrett a little bit. You already have a stud backup point guard in quickly who should be starting for that team sooner or later. Uh, Emmanuel quickly can play the, the guard from Kentucky. Alfred Payton's still floating around there, but I'm not sure what they're going to do with him now. His, his minutes are very expendable um, with the acquisition of Derrick Rose. Uh, I don't know, man. It, it's cool. Derrick Rose playing in New York is fun. He still ha- has a lot of basketball left in him. Um, it'll make our matchups against, against the Knicks and, and Nets games slightly more entertaining than before. Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't know if I would call it boring, man. Derrick Rose is a former MVP. He's not boring. He's not boring. I love Derrick Rose. He's going back to Thibodeau because he's one of the hardest working players in the league. He wants to win. Yeah, he, he, he gives his entire body for the game. It's boring because it's the fucking Knicks. And congratulations, you're going back to someone who you're going to play again in probably the same role who's going to take volume shots surrounded by a team. And he deserve, that, that sucks and he deserves better. So I like Derrick Rose. I like Thibodeau. I don't like the Knicks. I don't like their roster. So to me, this has no impact on the league. Hey, didn't... Uh a former Nets point guard back up Derek Rose when he was in Chicago. Yeah. CJ Watson, CJ Watson. Shout out CJ Watson, former guest on fireside nets actually was our guest last week, Nick. Yes, sir. All right. And that does it for finish that sentence. And we're going to move on the Nets played. No, no, no. Just, just one, just one sentence. Nets played three games this past week. We went one and two in them. Let's start with our big win on Tuesday night against the Clippers. I'm I'm talking last Tuesday. Uh, This was the Kawhi and Paul George versus the big three showdown. Did not disappoint. Uh, The Nets won the game 124 to 120. Um, Big games from Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. Kyrie had 39 points in 37 minutes. James Harden had 23 points, 11 rebounds, and 14 assists. KD had 28 points and nine rebounds. Uh, the big three did their thing. This was not with uh, without some drama. The Nets were up 10 points with like two minutes left, and the Clippers essentially cut it to two and had a chance to tie, I believe. Um, the Nets hit their free throws down the stretch. That was the end of the game. They did not botch the inbounds like they did against Washington in the game prior. Uh, But this was such a huge win. The Clippers at the time were on a 10-game win streak, I believe. And um, it was just great, man. The Nets Nets won the second and the fourth quarter. Um, they, They lost the first quarter and they lost the third quarter by one. What you don't like about this game is is three out of the four quarters, they allowed more than 30 points. In that second quarter, they only allowed 26. So you'd like to see that 120 go down to say, you know, hold a team to 100, 105, or less than 100. But when you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, sometimes you're able to, to allow these, these big offensive performances from teams because you know that you're just going to be able to score more than them. Yeah, I think at one point, uh, someone said in like the last eight minutes, the only points have been scored by those those five stars on the court. So I agree. It was, a, it was a really fun game to watch. This was the game I enjoyed the most this week, obviously because we won, but also just because the level of play was not only the highest we played, but we were playing the best team, yeah. arguably the best team in the West. So I all I want to say on this game, because I think we can all agree, amazing game, huge room for the Nets. This was the Nets playing to their to their absolute best in their peak. Like this is this is if we keep this play up, we go to the championship. With that said, 
We shot 57% from the field compared to the Clippers 46 and we kept them in the game. And why is that? We still have double the turnovers, 16 turnovers compared to the Clippers eight. So, so much to, to be proud of in this game. Obviously it went downhill towards the end of the week, but the one concern, if you know, we're going to take away a bunch of positives, the one negative I'll take before we get to the really negative games are those turnovers still keeping opponents in the game. Uh, I'll tell you for, for me, it's the good and the bad, right? The good is there were only four Clippers that scored more than 10 points. So four Clippers and double figures. Um, Kawhi Leonard had 33. He's going to get that. Like you just kind of tip your cap and say, all right, Kawhi, like 33, fine. You're one of the best in the game. We get it. Paul George had 26. Um, He had that big three to cut it to one at the end of the game. Fine. Okay. Paul George, 26. Here's what you don't like to see. Nicholas Batum had 21 points. Hey, I like Nicholas Batum. No, no, he's not a he's not a 20 point per game scorer. He he was destroying the Nets on offense. And then Marcus Morris had 16 points. And a lot of those buckets were when Kyrie was covering him or when Jeff Green was covering him. So, like like we've talked about a ton, that front court depth on defense, it scares you because it allows guys like Batum and Morris basically stretch fours that play the wing. Morris can play the five if he wants. They can score at will. They can score very easily against the Nets. So we held everyone else in check. Reggie Jackson only had nine. Lou Williams had four points. Bad game for him. But Reggie Jackson's one of those players that I'm like, why does he get that many minutes? I don't yeah. understand. I, he, did you see Reggie Jackson with a minute left huck up a three and you saw Kawhi Leonard visibly upset? Why did Reggie Jackson – uh, within the first three seconds of a possession, well, we're, I think they might have been either down three or down five at this point, the Clippers, with about a minute left, Reggie Jackson just pulls up top of the key and hucks a three up, not even that open. And Kawhi Leonard was like, that's not your role. So I don't like Reggie Jackson for those, those reasons. I didn't like him last year in the playoffs. I thought he took way too many shots. Know your place on the team. If Kawhi, Paul George, or Lou Will is, is dead or not in the game, maybe you could shoot. Wow, those are those are harsh words from from a big Reggie uh, Jackson critic. Um, he's playing right now a lot of minutes because Pat Beverly's injured. So when Pat Beverly comes back, Reggie Jackson will um, Beverly Hills will be the backup once again for the Clippers. Um, but right now he's getting some big minutes. Yeah, is what it is. Huge win. Um, so that brings us to our Toronto Raptors game. They played the Raptors on Friday, and this is this also is- known as the Durant in or out game. Yeah, things got crazy. Uh, we mentioned it earlier on the show, but game starts, no Kevin Durant. He, he was in contact with someone whose friend was being tested for COVID. And then I guess the, the first test came back negative, so he was allowed to play. So he came in in the second quarter, played uh, a great second quarter, even though he had four fouls. And then in early in the third quarter, um, about two to three minutes in, they told him after he picked up his fifth foul and the foul was rescinded, they said, sorry, Kevin, the, the, his second test, your, your guy's second test came back inconclusive and uh, we're going to hold you out of this game. And I've read a ton of conflicting reports. I read a report that um, because he was in the car with someone and they weren't both wearing masks, that's why he was sma- uh, slapped with this six game quarantine or, or whatever. And again, the whatever sorry, the six, case six is- day quarantine. Whatever the case is, we obviously on this podcast preach safety first. We we know COVID is real. We know it's scary. And we know it's an issue that needs to be taken care of. We're just upset with the way it was handled. 
on the oh, court. Yeah, I'm not saying that if you have COVID, you should go about your life willy-nilly. No, you should absolutely quarantine. Uh, no, the way it was handled was terrible. So after Kevin Durant exits for good, and there was there was a great clip. Yes, got a, a great shot of how pissed off he was when they told him. Um, it was the James Harden and Kyrie Irvin show. And uh, while they held in the game up until the final minutes, um, the Nets the Nets really could have used Kevin Durant. So what happened was they were up, I believe the score was 107-103 with about five or four minutes left. Kyrie Irvin comes into the game. He was, he was you know, taking a rest. And, and Harden was playing pretty well with that second unit. Kyrie comes back. They start double teaming him. He tries doing too much, turns the ball over twice. Before you know it, the Raptors are up two after they were just down four. Um, we haven't seen a lot of bad Kyrie or ball hog Kyrie in this postseason, but that stretch of basketball against the Raptors and crunch time in the fourth quarter, that's about as bad as I've seen Kyrie play. He didn't want to give up the ball. He was not handling the double team well. At one point, he just chucked the ball out of bounds, and then he was looking at his teammates like, well, who, who's helping me? I, I, I agree. I do think Kyrie played poor down the stretch, but I also think this game was like a series of unfortunate events because you have Durant getting out, which definitely rattled the team entirely. Um, not really sure what to think. And even Harden said afterwards, like, it, this is a huge game in the season, and we all just were like, wait, what just happened? And it just threw us off. Second of all, Siakam, dropped 33 points and looked like a stu- a superstar. Siakam scored 15 points in the last two games. He's having a terrible season. So this is like a, we lose our best player, their average best player steps up and has an amazing game. It's kind of an anomaly to me. It's not an anomaly because it goes back to the game before and the games that we've struggled to defend big men. Big men. Not only did Siakam have 33 and 11, Chris Boucher had 17 points and nine rebounds in 27 minutes. So What's 33 plus 17? Did you 17? give his last name like a French accent? Is it is it but like Boucher, Boucher? Well, I'm guessing if it if it's either Boucher or like Boucher, but you said like Boucher. So like that you you combined like a French accent with a with a non-existent accent. I think it's I'm Boucher. guessing it's Boucher, but I'm guessing at its core it's Boucher. My 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 point is you had 50 points between him and Siakam and they weren't even the best player on the team. The best player on the team was Kyle Lowry because when we play the Raptors, we make Kyle Lowry think that he's Steph Curry. He got an elbow in the eye. His face started bleeding. All of a sudden, Michael Jordan meme. I took that personally. He starts putting up threes left and right, and they just start dropping. And the Nets had no answer for Kyle Lowry down the stretch. He ended up with 30 points in the game, seven assists. He was virtually unstoppable down the stretch. And this was a night where Fred Van Vliet, who had scored 57 or 54 points in the game prior, he only had 11 points in this game. He was very cold. So few things here. A, I'm angry with Kyrie Irving. For his turnovers down the stretch, he did not play well. B, no one on the Nets had a great game. I mean, no one scored more than 20 points. Joe Harris had 19. Harden had 17 points, 12 assists. Uh, you had a ton of guys in double double figures. Actually, Landry Shamit had a nice game, 12 points in 22 minutes. Um, but nobody was was really putting the ball in the net for the Nets. They were lucky to be in this game, you know, down the stretch. Um, and how so fortunate! How fortunate are we that Harden getting 17 points, 12 assists, and seven rebounds is, a bad is like a subpar game. Yeah, we we are very fortunate. Um, but no, my point is mad at Kyrie. Number one, number two, we could not stop Kyle Lowry. Our our backcourt defense isn't great either, man. Like I, I know, you know, the one thing that we have going for us is our wing defenders in Durant, 
Harden, Bruce Brown, our wing defenders are pretty good. But when it, come, when it comes to defending point guards, we, we struggle a little bit, especially uh, a guy like Lowry. So so Lowry killed us. And then three, Siakam and, and Boucher, 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 uh, going for 50 points. It was a tough loss. 123, 117 was the final. The Raptors are 10 and 12 on the season, Nick. They're not, or they were 10 and 12 when they when they won that game. They're not a great team. Um, this was a tough loss coming off that loss to the Clippers. And and obviously the you know we, as, we beat the Clippers. I'm sorry, we beat this was a tough loss coming off against that win against the Crip of the Clippers. Um, and obviously a lot of these players were dejected when they found out KD wouldn't be coming back. You heard a lot of the players' reactions pretty much was along the lines of what are we doing here? I think I think James Harden said something along the lines of we all thought the game was going to be canceled. And 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 Joe Harris had had a similar reaction. So unfortunate, unfortunate loss for the Nets. But, you know, this team has to buy into the next man up concept. And we move on to the 76ers game. That was that was the third game of the week. And this was a shellacking, man. So so Kyrie Irvin was out. He had a left fin, uh, left finger or index finger sprain. He was unavailable. This was just James Harden and the guys and they failed miserably. Um, do you have the score in front of you? Yeah. Sixers won 124, 108. Sixers are number one in the East right now. They're playing out of their mind. Joel Embiid looks like the Joel Embiid that you wished he'd be uh, five years ago when you said, trust the process and, and he's coming into that player. So I didn't expect to win this game. Um, especially with the size that the Sixers have, but we stuck with them. And there's a point in the third quarter where we actually took the lead and I put the game on. I had a bunch of people here, not a bunch of people. We're all COVID safe. We got a few friends here and uh, we've all put on the game. Cause we're like, Holy shit. They're going to, Nets are going to make it a game. And I'm not even kidding you. We put the game on, they took the lead. And within three minutes they were down 10 and, and never came close. So this was an expected tough game. The, the Sixers are not only hot, but they're deep. And when you have Dwight Howard, as your, your second or third big man, and he's coming in and matching up with Vel Pell, it's game over. So you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players on the Sixers in double figures, and Bede had 33 points. Uh, Simmons had 16 and, and 12 rebounds, eight assists, and Tobias Harris had 21 and 12 rebounds. Um, so, you know, it's tough to beat teams when they put up numbers like that. Uh, the big number here was 43 points in the third quarter. This was a game. You're absolutely right. We, we stuck with them up until that third quarter, and then they just pulled away. Um, we lost one. You, you said the score before was 124 to 108. Um, you know, is what it is. Uh, the, if you look at the numbers, field goal percentage, 44%, not terrible for us. 36% from three, okay. Um, James Harden led the way with 26 points. Landry Shamit had 22 points. He played 33 minutes. Um, Norvell Pell was, was bad. He did not play well. I, I did not like the minutes he gave them. He fouls a lot. He, he does foul a lot. Um, the Nets managed to put up 108, but they, they were not, you know, once that third quarter was done, this game was over. Um, well, let's get to some good news then. Let's, let's take away some good news from this game. Which is? Which is that Joey Harris passed the Nets' all-time leader in three-point percentage. Do you know who that oh. is? Oh, uh, Eddie House? No, it's Hall Harris? of Famer Drazen Petrovic, RIP, passed away in 1993. Extremely unfortunate accident. Um, one of the best Nets of all time. And so just to, to, to whip out, Joe Harris um, is averaging 15 points a game this season. He's shooting 43.37% from his career. Not only is this first in Nets history, sixth all-time in NBA history. 
and third among active players, only behind which pair of brothers, Ben? The Curry brothers. The Curry brothers. Seth and Steph are the only active players that have a higher three-point shooting percentage than Joe Harris. This season alone, he's passed Kyle Korver, Steve Novak, Tim Legler, and Jason Capona, one of the best three-point shooters of all time. So two bad losses, but what we could take away is Joe Harris has developed into a stud. Not only his physical appearance, but his in-game performances. So Joe Harris, great job. You earned some fun this weekend. I hope you found a nice woman to give you a bath and uh, maybe play some checkers. Shout out Joe Harris. Uh, he can shoot the three-point shot very well. I like that you took a positive out of that game because I was I was pretty dejected, um, especially because we beat the Sixers earlier in the year when we had like Karis LeVert and Jared Allen as our best two players. The the uh, the big two sat that 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 night. Um, but let's get to this Nets Pistons game. It will be tonight at 7 p.m. Kyrie Irving is expected to be back with his finger sprain. Um, so that, that's good news. Obviously no KD. He comes back on Saturday. Um, what's your prediction for this Pistons game? Pistons, by the way, are the worst team in the league. They sit at, I believe five and 18. The Pistons season is a joke, but the coming out party of Jeremy Grant is not a joke. I expect a 30 point game from Grant. It won't be enough. We're just going to be better even without one of our best players. Uh, the Nets are going to win 120 to 104. I would love Steve Nash to start Bruce Brown in this game. A little Bruce Brown revenge game, if you catch my drift. Um, this is a huge get-right game for the Nets. You're coming off two bad losses. You have Kyrie back. This Pistons team has struggled all year. Blake Griffin is their best player, and even he hates playing for the city of Detroit. Um, handle your business. W win this game. You get KD back in, in, a in a few days. After this Pistons game, so we have a back-to-back. -back. So, you know, you got to think that if you're going to lose against the Pistons or the Pacers, you'd rather lose against the Pacers. You'd, ra you'd rather win both games. But win, win tonight. Tomorrow we'll worry about it. Um, I, I do think they'll, they'll come out and handle business though. I, and also, by the way, Noah Vonley will be active and ready for the Nets, uh, come tip off. Von lay me down, baby. All right. Let's get to some segments to close the show. Uh, I want to start quickly. You know, I, I've been thinking a lot recently about some songs that I wanted to sing to you and I have three quick songs. So, uh, are you, I, I want you to kind of give me. Um, one, one being the worst, 10 being the best, what your rating is. You ready? Am I guessing the song? Is this based on real songs? Yeah, they're real songs. Am I guessing them or am I just rating them? You're just rating them. I want to know if they're good or not. Okay. All right. One, on a scale of like one to five? One to 10. Okay. All right. Can't stop a dick to James Harden. This team is only getting started. Saturday's the next time KD could play. Hit in shots with Kyrie and Noah Vonley. Uh, three. Really? Damn, you're a harsh critic. All right, here's the next one. You ready? Mm -hmm. Pull my eyes from their sockets. This is the Brooklyn Nets. Stephen A. Smith, stop hating. We need big men. Why does Sean Marks keep waiting? This is the Brooklyn Nets. Five. You like that one better than the first one? Yeah. All right, this is the third one. You ready? Yeah. 
I would do anything for Kevin Love. Oh, I would do anything for Kevin Love. I would do anything for Kevin Love. But I won't trade Joe. No, 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 I won't trade Joe. Uh, Six. Damn, you're a harsh critic. I thought my first one was the best one. All right. And... Finally, I just wanted to know real quick, you know, you don't have to get too into detail, but uh, what were some of the top commercials that you enjoyed during the Super Bowl? Um, I like the Maya Rudolph tiny horses. That one was good. Uh, I really liked the Will Ferrell commercial. Keenan Thompson was in that as well as, oh God, who was, there was one other person in that. I'm going to have to look it up. It's going to bother me. Well, that was offensive because my roommate's from Norway and that Will Ferrell commercial was, he actually took that very seriously. Really? He was not happy with that. No, he called his ancestors and they just talked about it. Holy shit. It was a General Motors commercial, by the way. Yeah, I believe so. All right. Uh, the other commercials, the McConaughey Dorito commercial kind of freaked me out. Oh, I like that one. I like that one. That, that one freaked the hell out of me. Um, Mila Kunis, Ashton Kutcher, Shaggy was 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 okay. Um, I didn't and, like the placement uh, of the Cheeto, of the Cheeto uh, dust. They could have done that better. Oh, Aquafina was the other person in that. It was Will Ferrell, Keenan Thompson, and Aquafina. Um, I'm missing a few. I actually really liked the Wayne's World Cardi B commercial. I thought that was cool. Yeah, that wasn't bad. Um, and there was one other commercial I liked. Door, uh, the DoorDash with David Diggs. That was the commercial. And the, and the Muppets? Yeah, that was cute. No, no, no. Sesame Street. I guess Sesame Street. All right, Nick, that does it for this week's episode of Fireside Nets. We thank you for listening. Please check us out on Twitter, Instagram. And also I've recently uh, gotten into Locker Room, which is like Clubhouse, but just for sports, as well as ColorCast. I will be calling a a Brooklyn Nets game soon again. Um, So real quick teaser for next week. We have a very special host filling in for Nick. Nick will be in California shooting a short film. Um, I will not say who the special host is yet. It's someone that the listeners will definitely like to hear from. Not a former net, not someone who's been involved in the Brooklyn Nets organization, but someone that is very near and dear to this podcast and very near and dear to me and Nick. Did I, did I give enough clues without giving it away, Nick? No, I think I know. who. I actually didn't know who it was. And now I think I do, but I'll let the people guess. I don't even think you know who it is, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk offline. Um, All right. Any final words for our listeners? Keep watching the Nets and uh, keep being real. They're going to get better, guys. I swear to God. I I know me and Nick sometimes get pessimistic, but we expect big things from this team for the rest of the season, and that starts tonight against the Pistons. As always, Nick, catch you on the fire side. Fire side.